0: Hello and welcome to Auto Retail Live, our first of our four quarterly briefings, uh, keeping you updated with news from the marketplace and to provide practical solutions. Over the next 30 minutes or so, uh, with our expert panel, we'll have the opportunity to talk through some of the issues in the marketplace at the moment uh, and take your questions and suggestions. Uh, we've had a number of questions already, so we'll work through those. But If you would like to uh, pose a question, you can do it in two ways, Uh, either at the bottom of the screen, uh, if you type in your question, uh, that will make its way through to us here in the studio, or you can use the hashtag ARNLive uh, if you're using Twitter uh, on social media. Uh, Great to have our guests with us in the studio today, and uh, I'm delighted to introduce you Peter Haynes, who's the managing director of Howard's Motor Group in the southwest. Uh, Darren Ardron, who's the Managing Director of Perry's, spread more or less across the country mm-hmm. uh, and around the world. Uh, Catherine Fairs, who's the uh, Chief, Chief Operating Officer of Auto Trader. Welcome. Um, Thank you. 2019, uh, we're well into January and through into February now, and, and last year may seem like a lifetime ago, but um, it's important in the car industry. Was there much of a push, Darren, towards the end of 2019, aside from the politics, but in the, in the showroom? Was it a push to get there?
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, we we saw a push from manufacturers, I have to say, not so much for us in December. Um, We saw it more throughout the quarter. Um, You know, I I always felt it would be a big push at the end of the year, but it didn't come that way. Um, But certainly progressively it went on throughout the quarter.
0: Mm. I mean, the year itself ended slightly down in terms of overall numbers for for, for the market, but... In terms of the business for you, Peter, what were the highlights of of, of 2019 if it wasn't
2: just survival? Yeah, I think survival might be a good word for it. It, uh, Highlights were perhaps a bit difficult to come by. Uh, New car volumes and margins and use, so that matter, were under pressure. I suppose we did well in terms of finance revenue. We did well in terms of our overall contribution from uh, value-added products. In the after-sales arena, retail, uh, retail hours held up, as did the margin. I think one of the big wins we took out of last year against the challenges of the economic background political scenario, we're looking at our costs, so I think we've probably come into 2020 leaner and fitter, that's the business not me obviously, <laughs> but uh, yeah I think we're more prepared to take advantage of the good times that will hopefully come uh, as the year progresses.
0: Good times is an interesting phrase, there does seem to be some sense of something has changed and we're, we're kind of moving forward. I mean, Catherine. Ha- is that reflected in kind of the new and the used uh, buyer from your perspective at Auto Trader?
3: Oh, certainly in Q1, we've seen a big a big bounce back, a big recovery. Our audience figures were up about 7% year on year and about 5% since March, on March 2019, which was our previous high. Um, we've seen certainly that dip that we normally get in December and run into January. We normally see about a 30% uplift. And we've seen a consistent uplift from December to January this year, but actually the end of December was relatively strong because we did see post-election, some momentum and some consumer engagement beginning to grow relatively year on year. So it's been a good start to the quarter from our perspective.
0: I mean, interesting, the consumer perspective about all of this in terms of, we're not here to talk about politics, we're not going to talk about politics or Brexit, but there seem to be some relief and, and people seem to want to move forward. Has, has that followed through in the showroom, as, as Catherine said, it is online?
2: I think there is a general feel that things are better, and whatever your politics, whatever your views on remain or leave, I think people look for certainty. And I think with a uh, majority government now in place, and with a clear time frame to, uh, to complete Brexit, we sense, perhaps we are more confident as a business and people within it, And certainly on the used car side, uh, in January, there's been evidence that customers are coming out and buying again. New is slightly different, but I think we all feel, and perhaps a reflection of our customers as well, that there is more confidence versus the very volatile situation we've faced throughout 2019.
0: I understand we may have a a little bit of an issue with some of the audio. It might be slightly muffled, so apologies if you're... Uh, hearing us slightly muffled today, you could perhaps just turn it up a little uh, as, we're, as we're going through the programme. Um, Darren, is there anything that the government could be doing to help um, the market in terms of confidence and, and moving forward, or is that not something that you see? Um, in, in no, I think,
1: I think personally there's a few things they could be doing at the minute. I think we need absolute clarity and certainty on, on grants, uh, long-term grants for EV. I think if you look at them, there's a very short cycle on those at the minute, particularly with everything that's happened. Um, I also think the government could help us with a message about, you know, the current diesel car, because actually the current diesel car is a very good car, Euro 6, but we've done a fantastic job of talking that mm-hmm. car down. Um, and personally, what I'd like to see from the government, I think it would be fantastic if they help with the infrastructure of EV for dealers, because um, that's certainly for the, the groups like us and for like you, Peter. Mm-hmm. The cost of installation of EV is, is incredible. Um, and there's no support towards that at all. So, there would be three things that uh, I would certainly be asking they can help us with.
0: Okay. Well, we've set the scene for a discussion about the car market. Uh, we're here to talk about practical things, ways that we can uh, work better uh, and, and help drive those sales. Um, Catherine, thinking about the consumer and how they search and how they look, we're in a market that is moving, technology is changing. Um, it's quite conf- confusing as a consumer. Uh, are, are, is that reflected in the way that people are looking for vehicles online do you think?
3: And we certainly see a huge response on our platform to any news headlines, to any PR coverage, any stories <coughs> that are out there in the, in, in the market on automotive. So the, the decision by Boris and the government earlier this week to bring forward the ban of petrol and diesel vehicles, we saw a spike um, of 165% in consumers that were engaging with electric vehicles on our platform overnight. And, and as Darren was saying, that's not, not necessarily, for some of those consumers, electric will be a brilliant vehicle choice. For others, actually, there are other make models that might suit their requirements better. But what the coverage of automotive is doing is it's driving consumer interest and intent actually back into the industry, which we b- believe should be a real positive. It's how we harness that, capture that, and actually translate those consumers into meaningful transactions and outcomes um, with the retailer network.
0: So interest is there, people are searching. Peter what happens when they come into the showroom because we've got acronyms are us, we've got BHEV, MHEV, PEV, BEV. Uh, I don't know how your sales team are expected to kind of keep up with all the trends and be experts so what so what happens when somebody walks through the door
2: but uh, it, it is complicated I think you know we were talking earlier and, and what we find challenging to understand exactly where this is going and and, uh, and the products that are coming through and the advancements that are being made so I think that our role in terms of retail has to be to add value to what the customer is researching and finding for themselves online but probably asking some really salient and sensible questions about the size of car that you need, the way in which you use it, and from that whether electric is even conceivably a possible solution. If you live in the middle of a city, in a third floor flat, with no charging facilities and no charging at work, probably EV isn't for you, so I think it's incumbent upon us to ask the right questions, help the customer, you know, in fact filter down to the right solution for them, Um, and that way we will be relevant as well, we're adding value to the customer research phase and leading them down a track that will help them make the right decision at the end of the day. Uh, Darren, are we in danger of
0: overthinking this? I mean, because we all know that by the end of this year, the industry, each manufacturer, will be fined or not fined whether they've hit this CO2 uh, limit. Um, Peter said, you've got a customer who comes in and says, do you want a bigger or smaller car? I want a bigger car are we overthinking it because the customer wants a bigger car or they want a smaller car and that they don't care, it's not their issue whether the manufacturer has a CO2 target.
1: No, I think it's going to be a very interesting time in our showrooms and I think if, if we want the honest answer, the honest answer is none of us really know mm. at this moment in time what impact this is going to have. I think we've got to take the whole thing back to basic, slow it down and become more consultative in this approach because it's not just about it's not just about buying the car now, it's not just about the electric car but it's a lifestyle change so I, I you know I think we'll have a far better understanding of this as the year goes on but I actually think this is uncharted waters for all of us quite frankly
0: it's about finding a way of giving the consumer confidence though isn't it yes. Catherine we need we need to have people wanting to come towards the industry feeling confident to buy rather than feeling pressured to buy something they maybe don't want
3: yeah absolutely I mean I think there's definitely more we can do within our platforms, We're already evolving the search experience to include CO2 emissions and electric filters to make sure that consumers can find what they're looking for or what they're reading about in the press. But that education piece and that discovery piece for consumers, it's a hard, it's a hard balance because you want them to come to the platform informed, but equally you want to help them, guide them on that, on that journey. So I think collectively the industry yeah, has a really important role to play to help consumers navigate that.
0: And Peter is that something that in the showroom it's kind of everybody's responsibility from the host at the door through uh, service reception to at least feel some ownership and knowledge of the
2: technology rather than saying well I don't really know about it but talk to Fred it has to be I mean we hear lots of statistics about the amount of research that prospects and customers do online before they even visit the showroom if we are not experts in that field and if we're not there and able to help them confirm clarify or even perhaps guide them in a different direction, then we really haven't got a role to play, and that will ultimately push people online to make that transaction. So I think for the role for the retail dealer has to be to upskill all of the people in the showroom yeah. so that they are genuinely experts in this complicated field in which we're operating, and that in turn customers look at them and say, they're adding value, they're helping to clarify my thinking, and they're going to help me make the right decision. If we do that, then we'll be okay. If we don't upskill, we don't train and develop the knowledge of our people, then we're going to have a problem
0: you're watching auto retail live the quarter one briefing for 2020 um, as now we normally take a look at the market what's been and the forecast for the year ahead so uh, you will see on screen the forecast for uh 2020 is for the used market to be around 7.8 million uh, units we're slightly down on uh what we expect 2019's out will be about 7.9 uh, and looking at SMT figures we ended the year with 2.3 million new cars sold, uh, and we're probably going to end up at about 2.26. So, slightly down for uh, the year, both new and used. Um, how's the March order take looking, bearing that we may see a
2: slight fall away, Peter? Is it looking strong? I um, suppose <laughs> the saying is early days. We, January has opened, January opened, and was very strong in terms of use, no doubt at all. We've seen a substantial increase in volume year on year. Uh, and good margins, and that's going to bring pressure, I think, on stock uh, supply as we go forward. New, I would say, is okay. Our actual order take in January is tracking slightly behind uh, last year. And I think, by prediction, we're going to have to work extremely hard to get to where we need to be. As I said earlier on, I think there is a level of confidence that didn't exist before. We've now got all the added complications of what the consumer is facing in terms of their options. So I think it's okay, but it's mm-hmm. not flying. And I think we're going to have to work damn hard to get to the quarter one objectives that have been set for us.
0: In terms of finance um, and the payment process, Darren, I, I saw a number maybe just this side of Christmas, I can't remember. It must have been, actually, because it was saying that the... Um the amount of finance uh, being provided is about 91%, 91 91.5% of new cars are being financed. So uh, are you seeing more of that being done now online or is it still being done sort of physically and paper in the dealership? Um,
1: I I don't think I can honestly say we've seen a big increase online with with finance. I'd certainly um, agree with the figures you've quoted. Mm. Um, I think the new car model now is is very susceptible to, to finance because of a lot of the offers. I think the challenges that we face, and coming back to your point, is... You know, if we're brutally honest, three years ago, we were putting people into new cars at some unprecedented low payments. Um, Things have moved on now, models have changed. Um, I think the difficulty we're facing at the minute is people coming in that expect that low payment again. And it's significantly different now, isn't it, which which is personally why I think it's going to drive the used car market a bit stronger than people think in 2020. Mm.
0: And, and is this a common experience, then, in terms of the customer managing that expectation of the good days, you know,
2: won't carry on forever, you, you've got to recognise it costs more? Well, I mean, you know, we've, it wasn't many years ago we were key for keying, and, uh, in terms yeah. of BCP, and people got used to <clears> going into a new car for £25, £35 a month more, those days are long gone. Some of the generalist brands have uh, premiumised, they are bringing bigger, more expensive products to market, uh, and there has been a natural creep of price points uh, over the last two or three years. So, It's exactly as Darren says, you know, we're asking people to make substantial moves in terms of their monthly payments. And for salespeople who have got used to a relatively easy, relatively easy key for key, now having to justify a very substantial walk in terms of payments to move people on. So I think this could exactly reflect in people moving away from new perhaps into used. Uh, But there is an appetite for people to be driving bigger cars, SUVs and crossovers. The average selling price of product we're selling across the piece has increased substantially both in new and used terms. So uh, I think that's going to be a challenge, certainly in the new car arena and, and the strength yeah, of the in the past. Perhaps it's going to bring its own challenges in this plate change period. And what
0: about searching and consumer behaviour then? Run up to March, everybody gets very excited, plate change. Catherine, is, is it normal in terms of buying habits? Or where we've had our, call it the Boris blip this week?
3: Um, so I think there's a few different trends that we're seeing. I think we haven't quite seen it yet, but there's been a lot of talk and a lot of coverage about um, the vehicle excise duty changes in the March budget, and actually that bringing consumer demand for new forward. I don't think the January figures reflect that from what we can see, but it is, it's the type of thing that I think the momentum might build on over the coming weeks. The volume mm. of EV, AFE coverage is unprecedented, I would argue, at the moment, and we've seen the year on year trends been running at about 80% up in terms of consumer demand on our platform for EVs and AFEs, and yet, Today, still only 0.5% of the stock we have on our platform is an EV. So there is um, this massive supply-demand imbalance at the moment. (laughs) How we channel that demand and capture that demand into the wider industry, I think, will be one of the big, big opportunities. So I'd say there are definite pockets of demand for... Specific types of vehicle that does feel a bit different from previous years.
0: Is that geographical, or, or, or I mean, mm-hmm. is, is it focused on areas where there are, you know, already in place uh, emissions control areas? I mean, London is the only one that's in place, but you've got Bristol as yet yep. not confirmed as a diesel ban, possibly, and, and other places.
3: I think what's I think we, we definitely see we definitely saw around ULEZ a further drive and demand regionally around London. What it has really helped with is the awareness point that we were talking about before suddenly, if it impacts your finances and your daily finances as a consumer, you will pay a lot more attention to the terminology, the different vehicle types available. Um, So it is concentrated at the moment. The PR and the coverage and um, the news is definitely more um, (coughs) national. But you see around the ULES launch, we saw a pocket of demand. I'm sure as the Bristol, Birmingham and other schemes roll out, we'll see pockets of demand in those areas as well.
0: Peter, I mean, this is particularly relevant to you because you 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 cover the Bristol uh, area of the country. Yeah, we're close in Bristol. Yeah. H- how does that play out like, practically? So, what 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 can you do to to reassure a customer coming into you? Because you, obviously you want to sell on the vehicle. Um, they don't know whether there's going to be a ban. You can take your pick right now because the government hasn't yet made the decision. Maybe maybe there isn't. H- <laughs>
2: how do you practically help that customer in the showroom this afternoon? Well, I think all you all you can back to. I don't want to repeat myself. Back to what I said. I think. You know They are coming with a certain amount of information, some extremely well informed, having done a lot of research, others less so. I think all we can do is help to understand what their requirements are and then best suit what we have to offer to meet those requirements. You know, we can only deal with the things we know. There's lots of conjecture. Um, As I say, talking to somebody who's coming and said, I'm firmly of a mind that I want a fully electric vehicle, only through discussion to find out they have no real method of managing the charging of that in a practical way. You know, that's what we've got to help uncover and to guide and steer. I've had this very experience with a, a neighbor of mine recently who has asked all these questions, and we've now managed to, to sort of get that down to a point they're happy with the solution that they've got. But it's, it's been a journey of discovery for them, mm. and really us acting as a, 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 a point of consolidation and, and expert advice along the way. So complex, but I think we've just got to help guide the consumer. Yeah. Mm.
0: I mean, Darren, from a business-to-business perspective. So, you know, you represent multi-franchise across multi-sites across the country. Um, as Peter says, somebody comes in and wants a larger SUV or something that, that's higher CO two. Your allocation is is not for that. How would you offer a colleague in business that a way of dealing with that with a manufacturer partner? Because the manufacturers wants to sell the lower CO two, but your customers want the higher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and as you know, some of them are now linking targets. To, to CO2 which is a, a very very complex uh, position for us to deal with um, I think as Peter said earlier I, I think this whole thing is going back to very much a consultative type of approach now we actually slow, need to slow the whole thing right down mm. um, you know sometimes we've probably just been a little bit quick to get the deal done and get it out of the door um, I think those days are changing now I think we've got to take our time with these people um, how the new targeting will work we don't know this is totally uncharted territory for all of us um, I don't know how it will lead to month-end positions where do you go with the customer wanting to buy a particular model with two days to go you may not be able to sell it because it might not be targets out so you know I'll come back to the point I think this is a learning curve for all of us
0: but there's got to be presumably one would hope a lot more communication uh, between oh, retailer and manufacturer absolutely. in various ways yeah. to, to and you'd
1: hope that the stock that they're building it fits exactly what fits their target so you know th- this is new ground for all of us isn't it
0: yeah and the consumer is, is to some degree informed, Catherine or n- n- yes when you get the Boris bounce of EV the interest goes but <clears throat> but not necessarily understanding all the intricacies of a, of a P HEV versus a B HEV you know di- different vehicles I suppose
3: now I think um, well whenever we look at consumer confidence in the car buying journey consumers most consumers start the journey incredibly feeling not confident at all anyway and um, most of them are looking for, I guess that's why so much of the research is now done online, because they are looking for ways to navigate themselves <clears throat> through their journey before entering or going onto a dealer forecourt. I think that level of confidence has probably reduced even further. We've seen big boosts in confidence around people now not worrying about Brexit, people feeling like vehicles are much more affordable, but this layer of uncertainty around vehicle type and fuel type is probably um, adding. A different type of uncertainty around the around the buying journey that we haven't seen before either.
0: Mm. And Peter, you, you both there was a brand we talked about just before we came on air. Um, Kia, I think you referenced as having uh, a fairly clear way of, of trying to give consumer information. Are they a, a good example for? People? I, I think what they're a very good
2: example on the website. It, it, taking each of those PHEV and BEV and all mm-hmm. these uh, explains it very like, simple. Exactly it? describing that, that's key. what yeah. it is, mm. how it works the sort of driving styles and environments in which that could be applied. And it really is, you know, taking this complex model and and, and helping people to understand each of those component pieces. And I I think that's it. We have got to make this simple for people. If we don't make it simple, the consumer's natural instinct, I think, is to sit on their hands. Uncertainty, whether that's in terms of the economic environment or what should I do, will say, well, actually, it's perhaps better not to do anything, and I'll just wait. So I think by, you know, Taking this and making it simple will help people to make the right decision in a timely manner rather than just putting it off.
0: There's a a big shift. I mean, the fact that we've
2: spent so long, normally in quarter one we're talking
0: about a range of things, but this is the issue this year that that, that you have to manage in in the retailer, is is not just keeping the customer happy but also managing a change in your business, Darren. It's it's quite a fundamental shift and it's moving all the time.
1: Yeah, I think it's a massive change for this year. I think there are so many things at this moment in time coming at the industry. Um, I think it was always a very complex model before. I think it's becoming even more complex now. And I mean... Um, Certainly for me, I think sometimes the manufacturers can make it over complicated, um, different policies around different things, and if ever there was a year to simplify things, to get through these challenging times, I think this is the year.
2: Yeah, I think there's there's a risk that the the management at the front end of the business are being forced ever closer to their computers, behind their desks, than actually what's going on with our customers. Uh, not worrying about, are they going to sell the car, but is it the right car to sell? Is it going to make a, a negative impact in terms of their mix, in terms of CO2? It is complicated. And I'm with Darren, I think if we as retailers with the manufacturers can simplify it as much as possible, be clear and yeah. consistent in the strategy, then we will get a better outcome in terms of volume for us and, of course, for, for the, manu- uh, the brands, the manufacturers as well. In terms of
0: simplification, Catherine, I know that, that it's a frequent tip that's provided in terms of when you're presenting a car online, but getting the basics done well, good photography and, and, and reliable information um, to, to help the thing shift, I guess, is remains core to the business succeeding this year.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talk about ad quality and ad quality, it's been really interesting in our new car journey, which is relatively still relatively early um, stage product for Auto Trader, but is growing very, very rapidly on platform. We see that the response impact actually from having good adverts, so having lots of images, um, the right descriptions, the right attention grabbers, is actually a bigger driver of response than the discount that a retailer may have put on yeah. the vehicle. So actually, much, very much of that research and engagement journey is driven by doing a great job of showcasing a vehicle as opposed to necessarily the consumers getting the last pound off the price of the car. Mm.
0: I remember Mr. Motivator, as I call him, uh, Jason Cran- Cran- Cranswick from uh, Jardy Motors Group, uh, was, was on the programme with us last year, uh, and, and he said, you know, in tough times, he said, well, as you can do the maths yourself, you know, there's 7.9 million used, there's 2.3 million new, that's still millions of people yeah. who are interested in buying a car, yeah. you just need to make sure you're yeah, in, in, right. in that group yeah. of yeah. people who are going to buy them. You don't have to go and find new people, you just have to be in, be in the swim and do, it, and do it
2: reasonably well. Absolutely right, absolutely right. I think you know, we're focusing much more on the getting the basics done right, as you described them, and the use of video, for example. But also this nurturing of leads. I think we're, we're always looking for uh, the way of attracting the new customer. And actually, we should spend more time dealing with those that already want to talk to us, but doing so in a way that makes them engage properly. Um, so I think it's there to be had. Was, say, the market's there, we've just got to get our share of it. Mm. Um,
3: we definitely see from the... We did some walk-ins research recently looking at... Um, We put researchers on retailers forecourts and asked them, what was your journey to get here? Where did you you come from? What Mm. what was your experience on that journey? And then 64% of them had not left a digital footprint anywhere, which actually means that the job of salespeople Mm -hmm. on that forecourt is so fundamental. You can manage a lead, like an electronic lead or an email or an interaction. You can manage that really well, but you're managing 36% of what you see that getting up from behind. Your desk in the showroom and yeah. actually engaging with consumers because you won't know anything. The salespeople won't know anything about the journey no. they've been on. Absolutely. You're kind of starting from scratch almost, but asking the right questions. because chances are they will yeah. have spent hours online researching, and they might be, you know, we know a good well, 63% of them then convert into into a sale. But more of the journey is actually that transaction journey is actually
0: happening on on Forecord. Yeah, Darren, it's a
2: it's a it's
0: a tough old world it is. <laughs> uh, there's great opportunity out there yeah. there's more uh, requirement i guess in the sale now to, to in more admin being required as a retailer than, than was previously how do you motivate and manage your team to make sure that the admin is done because that leads to bonus or uh... Or return but uh, as Catherine said the, the the customer is the one that you need to charm and and make work with the admin part of the journey but not the most important yeah I think the admin
1: is a, a bit of a killer if I'm honest with you at the minute <laughs> to put it mildly it, it's um, you know I'm a huge believer of, of um, managers getting out there and second-facing um, you know we, we've probably all done it many years ago I think we're losing that art at this yeah. moment in time because the admin side of it is, is taking over um, it's a fine balance because you know I speak to our sales managers regularly and, and we'll regularly ask them the question what is it that's stopping you selling that extra car and it's the paperwork and it's the admin. So it's a hard one to manage that. I think we just somehow need to manage it the best we we possibly can. But I come back to this whole complexity model. Um, I think if the manufacturers and the retailers can work closer together to simplify this product, I think we'll see an increase in volume.
0: Peter, a tip before we uh, draw Quarter One's briefing to a a close? In terms of Quarter One
2: itself? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, for for us, one of the areas that we are focusing on is service diary in terms of opportunity
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, it tends to be in my experience I don't know if Darren would bear this out that it's something that happens often on an ad hoc basis and generally when things aren't as busy as you'd like them yeah. to be and we found certainly during the second half of last year by applying some good solid consistent routines mm-hmm. whereby we're looking at that on a daily basis and approaching it in a, in a positive way that we started to harvest some really good results. So we've now seen that as a key component. Because the problem with achieving your Q1 target is a problem when it's too late. You realise your run rate hasn't kept up with where you need it to be. So we're investing in those, uh, those areas, and particularly the service diary now, as we have done since last year. And that's a bearing fruit, so that's what I would share as a, as a tip, if I
1: Service
0: may.
2: diary. Darren, what's it for you? <laughs> Yeah,
1: it's it, similar. I mean, we, we work our service database very hard now. It's mm-hmm. probably something that we didn't look at before. Um, there's a wealth of data in, in there. And, and another, you know, big second point, because I think one of the challenges we'll face this year is procurement of used car stock. Yeah. Um, we're already finding that now. You know, like Peter, we've had a very strong January on used cars. If the new car market is going to be off a little bit... Um, and all of these third parties now, then there's less used car stock coming through. So, uh, for me, the key would be service. But I'll come back to this second facing of managers. If our managers are allowed to get out and manage the business, I think there's there's volume there.
3: Catherine, um, assisted buying rather than selling, helping the consumer assist them through their journey, um, focusing on the metrics that really matter. Say so pricing for us is. We've got all sorts of data on pricing to market from day one, first to last analysis that just shows consistently that to optimise profit, you need to price to market from day one, and particularly with where we see auctions and retail prices trending at the moment. Um, And then finally, it's really hard, but um, think strategically, not tactically. This industry always feels like an industry that's in a rush, it's always in a rush to get to the next quarter, which sometimes, when you think about the degree of macro change we're experiencing, laying the foundations that mean that in 12 months' time, the industry is going to be in really good shape, feels more important than it probably has for a while.
0: Good advice. Thank you to our panel. Uh, Slow down, I'm taking away, is the the headline uh, from us here today. But thank you for joining us uh, for Auto Retail Live, the quarter one briefing. Uh, We'll be back in May uh, for the quarter two briefing, uh, but we also have the auto retail future of F&I taking place in April. If you'd like to join us, it's a live conference uh, for the day with speakers uh, and guests in Coventry. Uh, You can find out more by searching online at Auto Retail Network. That's the future of F&I live and it's on the 2nd of April. That's all for now. You can keep the conversation uh, going online with the hashtag ARNLive. Thank you for joining us.